0: Here's the host of the Talent Talk Radio Show, the founder and CEO of People G2, Chris Dyer.
1: Hey, good afternoon, everybody, and thank you for tuning in here to the Talent Talk Radio Show. Uh, I have two uh, wonderful guests lined up today, and we'll get to them in uh, just a moment. Uh, Just in case this is the first time you happen to be tuning in, well, thank you. And if it's been a while, we'll give everyone a little refresher course on kind of what the show is and why we're here um, you know, I've had, personally, I've had the really the privilege to meet so many inspiring leaders at different events and um, different conferences, or whether it's through LinkedIn or whatever it may be, you know, as I sort of meet these different people and have that privilege of talking to them and learning for them, uh, you know, I had all these great things that I was learning but decided it would be, uh, you know, even better if we had that conversation on, you know, in a platform where everyone could hear it and everyone else who was interested could, could learn those little tidbits that, that I was learning along the way. So this show is really designed to give you that opportunity to, to listen on, on these important topics for HR, for CEOs, for, for anyone in the talent arena, the things that they're thinking about, talking about, their clients are talking about, and hopefully give you something that you can use uh, yourself down the road. So Talent Talk is live uh, every Tuesday, 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. You can catch us on the TuneIn Network live. Um, and, but most of you actually come in and listen after the fact, uh, which is okay. And um, we have uh, 600,000 of you that came in last week. Um, so we're really uh, just super excited about that. Uh, so that's through iTunes, through iHeartRadio. You can find us on the podcast app on iTunes. You can find us podcast. You know the browser, the app, whatever it be, anything iHeart you can find Talent Talk. Just type us in, and uh, we'll, we're there. So big thank you to everyone who's following the show, listening regularly, going back, listening to old shows, finding people they're interested in. And the other thing that we really love is the keeping the conversation going, and that happens on Twitter. Uh, it seems to be the best place for us to have that interaction. So we love for people to ask questions, make comments, even if you've listening after the fact, even if the shows already happened, that's okay. Uh, make guest suggestions, whatever it may be, but put in your Whatever you have to say there, add the hashtag talent talk. If you have room, add the at people 2 Make sure we see it. We can uh, get that out there. Um, you may even go and follow at people 2 and you'll see we live tweet the show as well. And you can find the guests from past shows and send them notes and, and find out more. So it's a great way to keep the conversation going. Um, but if you have a question today uh, for any of my guests live, if you're listening that way, you can send them right now. And my producer, Mike, will try to feed them into me. All right, let's go ahead and talk about our guests for today. Uh, my first guest will be uh, Robin uh, Schooling, the Vice President of Human Resources for the Hollywood Casino in Baton Rouge. Um, and for those of us that live near Hollywood, that is an odd saying to say Hollywood Casino near Baton Rouge, but uh, it does exist. So, And then we'll have uh, Sherry Conway, the uh, Director of People. Uh, for Southwest Airlines. So I'm sure you've heard of Southwest and flown with them before. Um, and we're going to have uh, Sherry on the second half of the show talking all about Southwest. So uh, let's go ahead and get to our first guest, uh, Robin uh, Schooling. Robin, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's fun to be here. Yeah. So why don't you tell everyone a little bit about yourself and what you're currently doing, uh, especially in the area of HR?
2: Yeah, well, um, I have, uh, I've worked in and around HR for many, many years. Uh, uh, in-house uh, HR leader in-house recruiter um, kind of run the gamut small, mid-sized large enterprises variety of industries um, but right now as, as you said I'm, I'm the VP of HR for Hollywood Casino in Baton Rouge um, so we're a riverboat casino so slots and table games on a riverboat um, several restaurant venues and lounges and bars and you know all that all that sort of entertainment that people are looking for and I've I've been here about a year and have a have a small but but pretty mighty team of of HR pros, um, and we you know we do it all. We do recruiting and staffing and and onboarding and uh, you know employee relations and comp and benefit administration and total rewards and um, labor forecasting and you know we we handle wardrobe and uniforms, which as you can imagine is you know quite a big thing in in a in a casino. And then we also oversee compliance. Um, you know things like um, people needing their gaming licenses from the state of Louisiana, um, responsible vendor training, and liquor licenses, and things like that. So it's you know it's fast paced. I um, I worked in the industry about 11 years ago. I worked at another casino for a brief period of time, and and I really enjoy it. It's you know it's ever changing. Every day is. Unlike the day before, it's um, it's in your face HR, and <laughs> and really get to not just interact with our employees, but but customers as well, with players. So it's it's very enjoyable.
1: Yeah, in your face HR. I mean, we know we have uh, a lot of casino clients. and I know uh, our contacts there in HR. They're they're never bored. I mean, it is no. a, a a challenging um, arena. So you have just everything going on with your clients and the level of entertainment the I'm sure pleasures and even difficulties of some interesting characters as well that come exactly. in as clients, and then and then you just have you know, all of that going on with and trying to get your employees to to do what they need to do. So it sounds like uh, yeah. an incredible opportunity to really you know do your best and, and bring your own uh, kind of uh, light to that at uh, mm-hmm. to that environment. Uh, I know looking at your LinkedIn, I think you, one of the things you listed is you are a human resource exe- executive and leader on a mission to make organizations mm-hmm. better by making HR better so how are how are you able to do that in this sort of as we've said this this sort of interesting you, 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 this is a bunch of people in cubicles so how, how are you able to do this
2: <laughs> no we are most definitely not in cubicles um, you know I um, as I said I've worked in HR a, a long time and and um, in 20- 13, um, I stepped I purposely stepped out of in-house HR. I was the VP of HR for the um, Louisiana lottery. so I've kind of been been in these sort of gaming industries for a while. and, and so I, I purposely left in-house HR and um, opened up my own consulting firm and um, working primarily at that time with um, focusing on small and mid-sized businesses as well as indivi- working with individual HR, Leaders and HR practitioners and HR teams, and um, I had I had felt for some time, and you know, kind of had this concept in my mind, and, and put it into practice with um, with my own teams over the years. But really started to gel this concept together of you know we can make organizations better when HR is better. And so um, when I look at that, I think about it meaning. You know, when our HR practices are built on a strong foundation and when we as HR practitioners are uh, proactive, when we're involved, when we're agile, um, that great things can come for the organization. So when I, when I look at that, I see it play out in a couple of ways. Um, I think first and foremost as, as HR uh, professionals, we need to understand why we exist And we need to understand how we add value. And so thinking about why we exist, um, you know, I like to sum it up pretty simply as we are here to connect the capabilities of individuals to the success of the organization. You know, we don't exist. HR is not here to manage compliance or administer benefits, uh, you know, things like that. Now, those may be responsibilities that we have and things that we do, but I like to look at it, you know, sort of from this higher level. Why? Why am I here? This kind of existential crisis. So I think we we need to start with that reason for our existence, and then we need to start thinking about well, how how does HR add value? Um, how are we making HR better? Uh, becomes thinking about how we add value, and we deliver value when we uh, when we enable and when we support the execution of. Of our organization's strategy, um, again, we're we're foundational, but HR, good HR, great HR, um, should be all all encompassing in our approach. You know, we train and, and develop and guide our managers and our leaders. Um, we provide opportunities for employees, and, and yes, we support and enable a culture that aligns with the company objectives, but also again allows those individuals to do their best work. And, and that's why I think HR exists. And then when I when I go even further, and I kind of look at great HR and making HR better, I think it's about taking a very personal approach to it, and that individual uh, HR practitioner level, that individual HR leader level. Um, and I think there's some key ways of, of approaching how how we do our work, and that's again maintaining that strong foundation, good HR practices, the fundamentals, the core knowledge and competencies. We have to, we have to do that stuff flawlessly. We have to know, know, our, know our HR business, if you will. Um, but then we, we, we do great HR. We make HR better when we embrace change. Um, we don't run from it. When we continuously look for ways to improve the system and not overcomplicate it because we're really good at doing that in HR and layering on complexity and kind of these Byzantine processes. We need to we need to continuously improve the system. Um, and then I think the the fourth way that we individually do great HR and make HR better is that we need to understand it's not all about HR. It's organizational success. We can love what we do. And want to stay working in kind of this people sphere but we we need to look at trends we need to look at the future um and focus on that and focus on the bigger picture and and when hr kind of puts those those things in play hr can get better um and the organization can get better because we're driving the success of our people
1: well, you you said you know a lot of things there, and there was probably ten ten really good bullet points we could, mm-hmm. could could jot down. But really, what you know, I'm hearing, and this is a theme that we've had on the show before, is you're really looking at the HR department being as strategic as it can, as opposed to being, you know, this more tactical, right? So you know, right. payroll and yeah. benefits may be something that is a responsibility, it's a tactical thing that must be, uh, you know, done for the organization. But really, your emphasis, and which is, I think, the right right thing to be doing is how can you be strategic for the company how can you be sitting at that you know table with uh the other executives and helping make the company better by by ensuring that hr is a a part of that conversation that and that your focus is on those bigger broader things uh Mm -hmm. for overall success so um it sounds like you're you're on the right track there um You know, kind of conversely to that, are there areas where you feel like maybe HR is still falling short, that where there's, you know, still areas to improve? And I don't mean necessarily specifically your department. You're welcome to comment on that. But, you know, maybe in general sort of where is HR still, you know, maybe still falling short a little bit?
2: Yeah. Um, Well, I can, you know, I can tell you we, you know, I I, I think, you know, my department, goes above and beyond but we certainly have things that that we're continually <laughs> looking to to get better at but um, you know when I when I think about um, where HR falls short you know um, I you know I, I think about when I started in HR and um, uh, you know I, I I I look back at really the evolution of of human resources and how it's viewed and you know I started my first in-house um, HR gig in a, in a department that had just, I mean, like two weeks before I started, had just changed its name from personnel to HR. So I, I look back on it and I think, wow, I was really kind of at this, you know, this beginning of this movement and, and sort of the renaming and, and the re-envisioning of HR. And, you know, for the longest time, there was a lot of talk about, um, you know, HR falls short because HR professionals um, don't understand their business. And so, you know, conference after conference, session after session, you know, article after article talked about, um, boy, HR, you need to understand your business, you need to understand your industry. Um, we That's not an issue. I, I think, you know, for many years now that has been a given. And I, um, you know, every single person, and, and I'm really not exaggerating, I really think every single HR person with whom I interact, whether they're an HR assistant or, a, you know, certainly a CHRO, but, you know, everyone – um, speaks very knowingly about their industries, you know, how their business makes money, um, what are the business plans, the operational plans, the goals. Um, that's that's a given. HR does that really well. So I think we need to stop talking about that. Um, where I think HR falls short, though, now is in translating that information, that knowledge, that business acumen, if you will, um, that industry knowledge, um, Translating that into action. You know, having, uh, HR has opportunities to use data, use information uh, to drive strategy or, or planning, alignment um, of their HR initiatives to, to the business initiatives. That's where I think, I think we fall short. Um, and that's the type of thing that I think HR can get much better at, um, thinking beyond just using data from the past um, but moving to having conversations that are more future-focused, looking at planning and strategy um, where you're layering in more, you know, real-time data, just-in-time data, looking at, you know, the external environment, getting out of sort of this this kind of, you know, myopic view sometimes that, that we have. That's where that's where the challenge is for HR um, is starting to make that shift.
1: Yeah, that, and that could take some work for sure. And I know you mentioned some different things that you've you've done there um, at your your time, uh, both at the casino and your other uh, past companies. Mm-hmm. Are, are there particular programs that maybe you've implemented over the years that you have found to be particularly successful? Maybe you could talk about one or two of those and what you know what those were and why they were successful. Um, yeah. might give some context here to some of the things that you've been talking about.
2: You know, I think it's. Um, uh, you know, I think so many of us can look back and sort of say, "Oh well, I, you know, I did this project or I implemented, you know, did a, a, a technology implementation." You know, I think we've all done those sorts of things. Um, when I look back, um, at one point, at one point in my career, and I was working for a mid-sized um, organization, we had about um, uh, about four hundred employees or so, and. Um, this was—I don't, I don't even really quite know what to call it. It was—it was to some degree a culture shift, um, but it was much more than that. And this was not a a, a one-time, um, one-event sort of—you know—I can put it on my resume sort of thing. This was like about a three-year uh, shift that HR HR was very involved in and was really driving, and it and it grew out of uh, a couple of different things. Um, the organization had grown considerably right before I joined them, um, and when I joined the organization was just at the time when we were sitting down to do our next, um, our three-year strategic plan. So it was perfect timing for me to join the organization. It had just grown, time to do the strategic plan. There had just been, before I walked in the door, a organizing attempt by a union. So there was sort of this, you know, this... Kind of lingering bad feelings laying around from that. There was a lot of dissatisfaction, and so there was this multi-layered approach to what do we need to do. Um, and it was also to kind of get at the financial um, survival of the organization. So there were a lot of data points in there, and there were some things that were that HR was really able to affect change in. Um, we were we had incredibly high turnover. I had turnover in some departments. Um, this was a healthcare organization. It turnover in some departments that was 150 um, percent. Um, we we had some um, requirements to have you know staff. Obviously, there there were nurses and that sort of thing. So we we had requirements to have um, staffing maintain staffing levels. We were using agency. Uh, agencies a lot, so we were spending an incredible amount of money due to turnover, people not showing up to work. There were just all these multi-layered things going on. So this three-year process included things like um, defining competencies for the organization, what those behaviors looked like um, behind those competencies, um, really diving in and thinking through what are our values, how do we live them. This was a um, a religious based organization as well. So values were very important. Um, we looked at the hiring process. We revamped candidate attraction methods, um, hiring standards, performance management. Um, but we we tied all of these things back to financials, and we made sure everything was in alignment. Um, as an example, we tracked, uh, obviously, the cost of turnover, the cost of absenteeism. That was a big issue for us. Um, and, and one of the things that we did, thinking back on it, was we eliminated, um, I, had the, I inherited an attendance policy that was much um, more designed to, to kind of be a stick. You know, people, people aren't coming to work, and we're going to you know, beat them with this attendance policy and give them points and this sort of thing. Um, and, I, and, I, and I shifted that. It was part of that culture shift, and we instead ended up turning it into a reward system. So if people came to work... Or picked up additional shifts, so we didn't have to incur agency expenses. For example, um, they had they got rewards instead. And ultimately, a couple of the things that changed: we we hired better, we hired smarter, we hired people that were in alignment with with our 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 culture, um, what we were looking for. We reduced turnover. Um, We had some departments that that went from having you know seventy eighty percent turnover to having zero turnover over the course of a year. Um, We reduced agency spend by about a half a million dollars, Um, and and we just shifted shifted everything by thinking um, thinking of the whole system. So everything was in alignment. It wasn't a program, um, and I think that's one of the problems. Sometimes in HR, we like to call things a program. And then it's viewed by the rest of the organization as a chore. And, and people just roll their eyes and say, here's another HR program. Um, and, you know, it's a bunch of crap coming out of HR. And instead, we, we just embedded everything we were doing into, um, into the culture, into the business model. And, and it all had a purpose beyond just sort of this HR feel-good type of thing. And the, I look back on that. I was very proud.
1: Yeah, well, it sounds like a you know kind of a great accomplishment, and I love that idea of it not being a program, but just you know sort of an overall shift in, in how you're going to do things. It is it, the way you deliver things sometimes, and, and how you position them and word them, and I, it makes a huge difference into the success. When mm-hmm. you're doing the same things, but how will people interpret it is much different. Yeah. Um, I know we're almost out of time here. I want to make sure we get to two last questions in. And the okay. first one would be, um, is there a book that you're reading right now that you might share with us?
2: Um, well, you know, I, um, I actually have finally picked up a book that I got earlier this year. I just actually started reading it. Um, it's called Getting Goosebumps it's by Brian uh, Brian Adams who's with pH creative out of the UK and um, I had met him at an event earlier this year and then he shipped me the book afterwards um, and I finally just started it and it's um, it's about effective inbound marketing um, and using storytelling to connect emotionally with your audience and we're in the process of taking a deep dive into redesigning our, our candidate portal and, um, you know, revamping our ATS and kind of that whole experience. So I'm looking for wisdom and nuggets from this book to kind of help us um, as, we, as we tell our story and ways that we're going to do that to, to connect with the right people.
1: Yeah, and so many of our past guests have talked about marketing being so important for their candidates, right? To find the yeah. right candidates, to make sure you have people who understand what you do, understand what the job's going to be before you You waste their time, they waste your time, and, you know, end up through a process they're not going to make it through or a job they're not going to want to be at. Yeah. So it's a, it's a super important um, issue. Well, I want to make sure we, uh, uh, Give you the opportunity here. Please tell us, how can people find out more if they want to come and gamble or they want to come and, and work for you, whatever it may be? What's the best way for them to find out more about uh, the Hollywood Casino?
2: Well, certainly anytime they're in uh, in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, they can come find me, and uh, I'll take them on the gaming floor. Um, but I can be found certainly on, on, on LinkedIn. Um, I'm on Twitter, at Robin Schooling. Um, my website is robinschooling.com, where I... Um, I, I pontificate and write about all things HR so um, absolutely folks can reach out and connect with me I, I love doing that
1: Well I really appreciate you being on the show you've given us a lot to think about and shared some, some, some great stories so um, you know, Robin we'd love to have you on the show again at some point and you can give us an update and again we really appreciate you being here today
3: Absolutely
2: thank you Chris it was a good time Alright
1: we'll be right back after this quick commercial break with our second guest Sherry Conway of Southwest Airlines
4: Visit PeopleG2.com or call 800-630-2880. That's 800-630-2880 or PeopleG2.com.
2: Higher.
1: Welcome back to the Talent Talk Radio Show. Don't forget, you can visit us and one of the many places to find the show. You can go to talenttalkradio dot com. It's always a great way, or you can join the other six hundred thousand people that came in last week and grabbed us on iHeartRadio or iTunes, um, wherever you get your podcasting, uh, we're usually there. You can find us. So uh, I'm really excited about our next guest. We have uh, Sherry Conway, the Director of People for Southwest Airlines. Um, don't forget, you can uh, tweet uh, any questions you may have live or after the fact by tweeting them to at PeopleG2 and use the hashtag TalentTalk. But Sherry, welcome to the show.
3: Hi, thanks so much for having me.
1: Uh, it's our pleasure um we know we've this is uh we've had a i think at least one other person from from southwest on the airlines a few years ago so we're glad to have a another representative back it's one of our favorite companies to to always talk about and and uh reference so it's great to get it right from uh directly from someone who knows what's going on in the organization <laughs> so maybe you could give everyone a little bit of update on who you are and um, your background and what you're currently doing for southwest
3: Absolutely, be happy to. I'm so fortunate to be able to to work with this company. Um, I was one of those kids that always knew when I was little that I was going to work in the airline industry. Now, granted, I had no idea what I was going to do when I got there, um, but always wanted to work for the airlines. So I went to school, got my degree. I was a speech therapist for a little bit, and then I said, okay, I've done that. I'm going to go work for the airlines. And I got on with a a carrier that's no longer with us, um, but was in their training department and recruiting. And then I found Southwest Airlines uh, back in 1990 and uh, started with them as a recruiter. And so I've always been in the people department, which is our HR department uh responsible for talent acquisition uh and currently also responsible for our compliance our campus reach was is our internship programs, and with our internship programs, that's anywhere from high school to college to MBA, uh, and also responsible for anything that has to do with onboarding, um, new hire processing, backgrounds, drug and alcohol programs, and things like that.
1: Well, you mentioned, you know, just sort of being in this uh, the business of people, and it, I was just thinking that probably maybe 85 90 percent of your employees are probably really directly you know working with it with people every day that you really have to be kind of a people person and a um someone who cares about people to to work inside a, of an organization uh, like yours you know most specifically southwest but certainly airlines in general that um, i'm sure there are positions that are not you know customer facing but it seems like most of them are if i'm if i'm correct so it, you seems like an important factor to, to to be if you want to go in and work for an airline you have to definitely care about people and want to understand people and want to work with people on a regular basis is that a correct assumption
3: that is absolutely correct um at southwest airlines we are the nation's largest domestic domestic carrier carrier and um but it doesn't matter what position you have at southwest airlines we Look for people that have that passion to display that hospitality. And you're right. Most of our positions are customer-facing, and it's so important that we have the right person. In the right place, so that they can work with our customers. Um, we've always said that our people are our most important asset. Uh, and again, it doesn't matter the position that you hold at Southwest Airlines because we're all in this together. It takes everybody to to make it work and to get every aircraft off the ground safely.
1: Absolutely. Well, I, I know you support the recruiting end of uh, the HR spectrum there for for Southwest. Maybe can you talk what? about what that's like and uh, maybe how you select individuals that will fit into your unique culture, uh, you know, as a kind of
3: premier uh, domestic airline. Absolutely. I'd be happy to. So at Southwest Airlines, we, we have created kind of a guideline um, and expectations for each and every employee. And we call it living and working the Southwest way. So we look for people that have a warrior spirit, servant's heart, and a fun-loving attitude that can work safely and uh, uh, reliably, that have that friendly customer service, but yet we still look at our costs. And that's everybody's expectation in the company. And so when we look for candidates, um, whether you are – One of our pilots, flight attendants, working at the airports, on the ramp, customer service or operations, over to our finance associates and our coordinators um, or dispatchers, we look for people that display these qualities and these traits. And how we do that in our interview process is we have behavior-based interview questions as well as motivational-based. So behavior-based, obviously, is what you've done in the past is going to predict what you do in the future. So we ask a lot of questions of, tell me about a specific time that you did X, Y, Z. And we look for people that can answer with specific situations and how they handled them. But we also look for your motivation. Why do you want to do this? Why do you want to come and be a flight attendant when you have been an accountant for the last 15 years? Um, What is your motivation to come do this? Because we want people to get into positions that they really enjoy. We want people to have fun at their jobs. And that's one of our expectations. Um, And so that's how we identify people. It doesn't matter the position we look for people that have these qualities we can train you on how to do things but i can't train you to have that warrior spirit servant's heart fun loving attitude that comes from within and so that's what we look for
1: well i'm glad that you really kind of identified those those main areas because that that fun loving attitude I think it's pretty obvious, um, my, you know, with, with sort of the reputation that Southwest has. We've all had those great interactions with with different Southwest employees, not just flight attendants, but uh, all sort of through the entire process of, of when you might book a flight, when you might check in for your flight, um, all those different things. I mean, we, we have these kind of remarkable people that are working there that, that have that, but it's interesting to hear the other pieces that kind of go into that um, that are really uh, important you know, when we had uh, Julie Weber, the VP of people for Southwest on, I think it was maybe two years ago, maybe it might have been a little bit longer than that. She really talked about this idea that I thought was fascinating. And I and I have repeated this story like a thousand times in my own talks to HR people. Um, and so I kind of want to get your thoughts on it and how you think it maybe really gets into the, the, the idea of culture. And she talked about the story that you know, if an employee was trying to do the right thing for the client, even if it was ultimately the wrong thing, if they were trying to do the right thing, that the company supported them and would back them up. Um, again, if they ended up being wrong, well, then you know maybe they need to be training, maybe they need to be some discussion. But you're ultimately going to back that employee up if they really truly believe they were doing the right thing to help the client. And that, that to me was like mind blowing that that's not, that's not something you hear other companies say. That's not something you ever see other companies do. So is that still sort of a ringing true within your organization? And, and maybe you can expand from that into, you know, what else does the culture look like at you know the present time for, for Southwest?
3: Absolutely. That, that is so true. You know, There's lots of employee handbooks out there and what you should do in this situation or what you should do in that situation. But when you think about all the encounters that we have with with customers and all the different things that could occur when somebody travels, and you could never write an employee handbook to tell these people what you have to do in this exact situation because no two situations are ever going to be the same. And so that's why we lean on our employees to make those decisions. And if they lean towards the customer and they feel like they're doing the right thing by the customer – then that's what we will support. Um, as you said, what Julie had said a couple of years ago, you know, we may have to do some retraining or we may have to look at, at what happened and, and do some counseling, but that's all we ask is that we take care of our customers, uh, and that's what our employees do. And when you hire people that have these, Traits are these qualities of a warrior spirit, servant's heart, and fun-loving attitude. They're normally going to do the right thing 99% of the time um, when they lean in and take care of our customers. And that goes into the culture of Southwest Airlines. We take care of each other. And when we take care of each other, then we take care of our customers. And so um, that is why it's in so important that we hire the right people with with the right attitudes um, that can take care of the customer well you know
1: it's just it's almost insane to me that the other uh, companies or competitors of yours you know aren't seeing that sort of the uh, light I would say um, you know and it's a very unique situation when you go to an airport for example that you are you're literally seeing and bumping into so many different people from different companies but are in the same position. We walk by counters from competing airlines, right? And then you walk up to the Southwest one. And so it's so starkly obvious the difference in what you're getting from that employee than from some other um, experience you maybe had the last time you flew and if you didn't take Southwest. So and I'm not sure there's a whole lot of other scenarios where everyone. there's a whole bunch of competitors running around where you can make those simple comparisons for yourself so easily. But in that context, in an airport, it it's, it's just it kind of comes off as so obvious. And that idea that the company is going to have your back if you're you know trying to, to do the right thing and you believe you're, you're making the right decisions. And to your point, there's thousands of decisions to make all the time. Um, they have to do their best. You can see the opposite of that, though. In other competitors, sometimes they they look beat down. They look, you know, frustrated. They don't look particularly happy with their job, but probably because they've been told they're doing the wrong thing all the time. Um, and instead of being backed up, when you know, and providing with that training that they needed. So I think it's it's just fascinating what Southwest is able to continue to do. Um, are, are there other challenges though? Are there things that you're actively thinking about or working on? that put pressure on your culture or that maybe threaten it at some level that you have to really defend against or work at on a regular basis?
3: Well, um, that's something that we think about every single day because that's who we are at Southwest Airlines. We're known for our culture. We're known for our people. And so there can be a number of challenges that arise to ensure that that you continue with that culture. But probably one of the biggest things for us, honestly, is that our workforce is literally spread across the country. And we have large sections of our workforce that never check into an office uh, because their office is the airplane. And um, they... You know, rely on themselves and they rely on each other to keep that culture alive. And so, you know, we do many things as a company to reach them um, through many avenues. Um, we have a culture committee that really focuses on ensuring that we reach our employees and ensure that they have the tools they need. That Continues that culture around the system. Well, and
1: that's uh, it. Makes a lot of sense. I mean, I'm not every company is thinking about their culture every day. They might think about it at a retreat or once a month, maybe. But to think, we think about it every day is really a testament to I think why you're you're having the success that you're having, and that you know maybe why your your company and your culture run at such a high level uh, in an organization. I mean, there's probably other things we could talk about that are. You know, not necessarily relevant for the for this show as far as who you service and where you service, and I'm sure there's other factors. But for that human factor, it, it really is what um, I think everyone thinks about. You, you know, when even more so than some of the other unique things that your company does with with how you board and your seating and your all the other things that make you unique. It's really the people that that kind of shine through on a pretty pretty large level. Uh, But, you know, you are a large organization. As you mentioned, you have employees that never go into an office. You have some some challenges there. You know, you may not have a whole lot of direct contact on a regular basis um, with people in a traditional sense. So how do you adequately engage employees? How do you keep that energy going Um, really make them feel like they're a part of that that organization and a part of that big picture? Are there there other things you have in place to reinforce that on a regular basis?
3: Yeah, so while every employee is, I mean, they're responsible for promoting and preserving the culture, we do have our culture services department, and they are charged with championing a culture through which every employee knows that they matter. So some of the things that they do, um, is that we work really hard on recognizing and appreciating and celebrating our employees each and every day. Um, we promote to foster that fun at work. Like you said, you see our agents or our flight attendants that do those fun announcements uh, at the airports and on the aircraft. Um, so we empower them to have fun at work every day. We have local culture committees. So each office and each airport has a local culture committee where they are tasked with ensuring that recognition happens, that they have those barbecues, that they have celebrate the holidays, celebrate those special events. Um, and then we have our... Our formal recognition, um, where we have programs, award programs, we have winning spirit awards, we celebrate milestone anniversaries, um, we have an annual awards banquet where we celebrate those that win the President's Award, and um, other things like that. Uh, So... We do have fun at work, and we ensure that that is done in, in various ways. We also have a lot of company events that everybody is invited to. We have spirit parties. We have chili cook-offs. Uh, annually we have rallies across the, um, the country where it's kind of our State of the Union address given by our CEO, Gary Kelly, and... Around that event, Uh, there's a a party after that. He takes questions and and answers, and um, it's just when you go to those, it's so fun to watch because it's like a big family reunion. Uh, People haven't seen each other for a while, and it's just fun to sit back and watch our family get together and appreciate one another.
1: Well, that's and I imagine that could be difficult uh, with a uh, company that you know you're always on. There's always somebody working. There's no turning off. Uh, on, there's no holidays that you guys take off. I mean, there's always somebody going. So that's a unique challenge within your uh, industry and certainly for your organization. Um, you know, I, I noticed that you kind of just describe yourself as a servant leader. Can you maybe talk about what your leadership style is and and what you have really found to be the most uh, effective way to kind of, you know, put that into play uh, throughout your career?
3: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think the leaders at Southwest Airlines, and especially for myself, we, we are other-centric. Um, titles are not a big thing around here, but when I look at what I do on a daily basis, I am here to support my team and give them the tools that they need to do their job. I give them the tools to go out and recruit the best. I give them the training to go out and make really good decisions for Southwest Airlines. You know, I'm here to develop each individual and and to build a great team and to really to be able to look... In the future, Um, I kind of act like an owner of my little piece of the puzzle that's called Southwest Airlines, and each leader does that um, so that our folks can, can do really well at what they do, and when you think about servant leadership, that's what I think about
1: well and i I really appreciate you kind of giving us that that um, important kind of breakdown of what of what that is and and how to do that because that's not it's not always so obvious for for people who aren't in h r or maybe people who are beginning their career in HR and trying to figure out what their approach should be and how they should you know interact with with their coworkers and what really is there going to be their you know kind of defining way to to be a leader inside an organization so I know there's a a lot of people that we talk to that listen to the show that are just starting their career and then they, they really appreciate that kind of insight so uh, thank you for, for sharing that um, you, know, you, lot, you mentioned a lot of really great things so I'm going to m- maybe take a stab in the dark here and say you probably have read a few books, um, probably stay on top of that <laughs> and are a, a lifelong learner so is there a book that you're reading right now that you might share with us?
3: Absolutely so one of my favorite authors as a leader and as a as a coworker at Southwest Airlines is Patrick Lencioni. And currently I am reading the ideal team player. And he really talks about what it's like to be a great team player. And, you know, you've got to have somebody that's that's humble, that's hungry and that's smart. And the way that Patrick Lincioni writes, um, kind of in a storyline or a fable, one, it's easy to read, which I love that, um, but two, it just it breaks it down into common sense life lessons. And he has several books that um, do that and have really allowed me to grow as an employee at Southwest Airlines, but also as a leader at Southwest Airlines. And so for anybody starting out um, their career in, in whatever industry it may be, uh, I would highly suggest a book, any book, by Patrick Lynchioni.
1: Well, it sounds like a great uh, one for our, our listeners to check out. As a reminder, we will have a recap of this uh both interviews today on our uh, uh, peopleg2.com blog and we'll have a link to the any of the books mentioned today Uh, in case you didn't have a pen to to jot it down uh, you can catch that in a couple weeks Um, you know i imagine one of the things um, that might be a real challenge for an organization like yourself um, is that people see your employees and they think this would be a great place to work Uh, there certainly is some great benefits if you're particular parts of the organization with travel and different things. So do do you find that you are an organization that has an overwhelming amount of people looking to come and work for your company but really only a fraction of them are really kind of fit that right, the right, right person for the, they may have all of the the education and maybe all that stuff but the culture stuff may not be there. Is that something, I mean, I'm going to guess maybe if you guys have a thousand people for one job that someone might interview for, and you've got to figure out how to get that down to that one, whereas your competitor may only have 500 or 250 people apply for that position. Is is that an accurate statement? And how do you deal with that?
3: That that is an accurate statement. Um, we're very fortunate as a company to, to one be a great brand, but also be recognized as a great place to work. And so we do fortunately get a multitude of candidates put in for positions that we have. Um, and so that is why our recruiters are so good at what they do, to um, be able to work through that candidate volume to narrow it down to that right person For the right position at the right time and just because someone is not selected the first time for a position at southwest airlines i would highly encourage them to reapply for other positions Um, you know it may have just been a, a situation where we didn't have enough openings um for the, the amount of candidates that we had, but we had a lot of great candidates. Uh, so I would encourage people to, con, to continually work. look at our website at southwest.com slash careers and look at the positions that we have available. It's a great place to have a career. Um, we encourage people uh, to grow their career here. We promote from within. Uh, and, you know, you can have several different careers at Southwest Airlines, um, you know, learn different things and, and do different things, but be able to stay under the same roof.
1: Well, it's, uh, it, yeah, it's, I really appreciate you giving that um, website. That was my next question is how can people learn more about their careers? <laughs> so southwest.com uh, slash careers and uh, check that out if they're interested. I certainly think they know where to find you if they want to take a flight somewhere. Uh, but Shar, really appreciate you being on the show today and uh, sharing with us more about the the Southwest uh, culture, uh, your great organization, and all the things that you're doing to to help it uh, stay on top. So thank you for being our guest today. and uh, hopefully Absolutely. we can have you thank back you. at some point. Give us an update.
3: Okay, sounds
1: good. All right. Well, thank you, everyone, for listening to the show. Hopefully, you learned something important that will help you in your own career. Uh, next week, uh, my guests will include Daniel uh, Shate, CEO of for a Greenhouse, and uh, Carrie Barth, a solutions consultant for HR technology outsourcing for uh, the Locked In Company. So, until then, do what you love and show the world how talented you can be today.